Hello, ladies and gentlemen. So, on today's episode, we are going to talk all things sleep. Yes, sleep. That magical thing that we don't consistently get enough of. New studies suggest that on average, we're actually sleeping around one and a half to two hours less per night than previous generations. And a lack of sleep is highly correlated with things such as Alzheimer's, dementia, and various other cancers. So before we get into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to the guys over at Intelligent Change. Lewis and I, we've always been very clear that we'll only work with companies that we believe in. Earlier this year, I ran out of space in my planner, so I wanted to pick up a productivity planner. I headed over to Amazon and I tried a few different ones in the past, but none of them really did it for me, so I thought I would try a different one. So the first thing that I noticed when this planner arrived was the detail in the pages. This planner is rife with things like productivity hacks, flow hacks, all things that we preach in our podcast about becoming more effective, about becoming more productive. One of the other things that I really like is how he uses the Pomodoro technique. So it allows you to maintain focus and it also breaks your tasks into the most important tasks of the day. So I think of this planner as sort of a productivity coach for myself. It's got six whole months of space for you to plot out your day. So if you guys are interested, we're going to put a link below for that. Just just take a look at some of the pictures of them. The detail is, is insane. So we'll put a link for that below. So today's guest on our podcast is sleep expert and coach to the elite, Nick Littlehales. Nick is the author of the best-selling book, sleep. He is the chairman of the UK Sleep Council and you may know him for coaching elite elite athletes such as Team Sky's record-breaking cyclists, Premier League football players and also elite other sports players like Cristiano Ronaldo. So he's certainly an authority on the subject of sleep. So let's not waste any more further time. So, Nick Littlehales, welcome to the Freedom Pact. It's my pleasure. It's great to be on your, your podcast with you, Joseph. Excellent. So, I think the first place to start is, is you know, we're in a time now where it just seems like sleep is just such a massive problem. How big of a problem do you think sleep is in the modern world, Nick? Um a deep and meaningful question I've been in it for such a long time Joseph it's um I think all all it really boils down to is you know there's three or stroke four human health pillars and we've been doing nutrition and uh and exercise to death and we'll continue to do so but we've always ignored sleep you know the third one or the fourth one and I think you know just as the generations of have shifted along and certainly you know every generation has challenges to face that's for sure but I think uh, 
since the sort of mid-90s to where we are now, there's been a complete paradigm shift with technology and advancements and 24-7 that it's just really highlighted the fact that we cannot keep taking this natural human recovery process for granted. Um, we've got a 5G network coming tomorrow, which is going to face more exciting but also you know, challenges for us all. And I think it's just reared its head simply because there's been no education um, along that route and we're just starting from scratch, just trying to work out how to get from A to B. For sure, for sure. You released a, a fascinating TED talk and, and the word unconventional was part of the title and in it you talk about circadian rhythms. So I've been so interested, you know, in this concept. I mean, your book Sleep, you know, it, it goes into this and your TED talk does. I'm just wondering if you could sort of give our audience the background about this idea about how circadian rhythms impacts on an individual's sleep. Wow, you're asking some big questions, Joseph. Uh, I think, <clears throat> you know, whilst I've been wandering around in the sleep industry, I've come across these things working with professors and clinical and academic and I was also fascinated by, you know, we all know the importance of sleep, but it was never a performance criteria. We take it for granted. And there was lots of little things that always intrigued me about, you know, the sun going around our planet, our relationship with light and dark, hormones of melatonin and serotonin, our pineal glands, how that creates mood and motivation, how that creates bodily functions every day. And I just thought, wow. We've been going along a process of ignoring this, and we invented light, we invented daylight saving time, we've invented technology, and all of these things have been taking us further and further away from what is something that we cannot change, the sun going around our planet. We have not changed too much as human beings. We have a brain and bodily functions. So that connection with this process, as we've kept changing, we just keep going further and further away from it. And it's, it's something that should be talked about at school. You know, it's um, instead of shouting at all the new Generation X, shut your tech down, blue light's bad for you, and <laughs> all, all this sort of stuff, it's like we haven't even had a discussion about what light is. What does it do? What's our relationship with this sun up and sundown process? So I think all these little words like circadian rhythms, what the hell does that mean? It's the sun going around our planet. What about uh, sleep hygiene? Well, that sort of indicates we need to wash our hands before we do it. But it's, it's sort of it's a very basic natural process that goes on with animals, mammals all over the world, including ourselves. And it's just... For the first time ever, we're having a relationship with this process. And once you get a, some basic steps in place, which is all I've been doing in 22 years in sports, so I might be working with elite athletes, but you know, as you said, a book came out and it's exposed me to doctors, pilots, surgeons, GPs, students, all sorts of things. It's become quite fascinating in the in these latter years, Joseph, that we should be the healthiest, fittest, and most knowledged human population on this planet. But why every
every single day do I get, and you, and everybody else, exposed to the mental health and well-being and various other things, anxiety, depression, suicide, dropping out, burnout, type 2 diabetes. Why is that all going on when we should be so knowledged and so fit and healthy? There's got to be something in there, and that's probably why sleep's become the new buzzword, the new key thing to investigate to see if that's got some of the solutions for it. Yeah. You talked about, you know, a real lot of interest in um, ideas, but I loved what you said about the light, and, and that's really important. So, so if, now say, somebody defines themselves as, say, like a, a nighttime sleeper, uh, sorry, as a, as, a, as a PM person, I would personally say I'm I'm an AM person. Um, sh- should that affect their sleep in any way? Should they tailor their sleep in a different way if they're, say, an AM or a PM person? I always heard from, you know, my grandparents and even my parents about owls and larks. And I sort of wondered what that meant. And I'd like you, I clearly identified that I'm a lark. Um, why is that? So I started to investigate that. Um, sometimes going to libraries and in the latter day, you know, tapping it in your browser and you realise it's a genetic twist and it's sort of like if I'm an AMer and I'm with a PMer and we spend most of our time all of our time outside the sun comes up we get affected by blue light and the AMer starts producing serotonin like mad so they get up, they're hungry they're awake, they're positive. The PM has got this little phase delay on it, maybe one or two hours. They don't react to this as quickly. So when you sort of look at that, we can camouflage it, we can push through it, we have occupations and and uh, careers that we take on. But actually realising your actual chronotype and understanding it and how it's created and why it's genetic, suddenly you can start to see about all the people around you who influence your life. You can spot other people's chronotypes, you can spot them in children, if you're parents, and you can start to see that you can use simple practical techniques to protect yourself, but also to take advantage of your chronotype. So there's a lot of myths and misunderstandings about doing all the things at the same time. When actually, if you understand your chronotype, you can take full advantage of it. And I think that's what's going to be one of the most significant shifts because we've got companies, you know, new companies growing up around the world which are actually sort of saying, well, certain people in our organisation shouldn't be doing certain things at certain times. Maybe... You know, you've got two children and you make them do the homework at the same time. Well, if you spot this thing, then maybe you can make them, give them an advantage. And I think one of the, the key things that's happened over the years I've been in it, every time I'm in front of a large group of people, whether they're pupils at a school or a premiership football club, and I ask them to put their hands up to whether they're AMers or PMs, it's really not that scientific. It's just, are you one of these or are you one of those? And up goes the hands. And it's not 
completely scientific, Joseph. Mm. But the reality is there's more PMers on this planet than there is AMers. But the world has always been driven by AMers to get up early, go to work, take the kids to school, do this and do that. When actually the PMers should stand up and be counting and go, we need to change this. Because daylight saving time, sending kids to school before nine o'clock, all this sort of stuff. How do you get productivity, absenteeism? How do you stop, you know, entrepreneurial appeals, CEOs, high achievers, elite athletes, surgeons, doctors, just getting to a point where they're so intimidated by the world around them that this addictive behavior, these crazy things that are going on in the background, is if we only just realized this natural thing, we'd be so much better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, 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 one of the things in your book as well which really caught my eye was that when you talked about how, you know, in the mornings there's a need to say, you know, to slow down, to not rush, you know, how important uh, lighting things is during the morning. Could you just talk about that, please, about, about not rushing from the word go in the morning? Um, it sort of goes back to this point, you know, um, uh, we lived and slept and was active outside. Nothing's really changing. We're still brains and bodily functions. The sun is going around our planet, not to keep repeating myself. But that whole relationship with that process is, is absolutely key to everything we do. And, you know, that we have a sunrise. The, the sun is not listening to our devices, our technology, our lifestyles. It's just doing what it does. So, we all, I think, know, when we ever look into sleep, it's all about rhythms and patterns and harmony and synchronization. And all we need to do is just get back to that process. So, the first part of your day has got to be being exposed to the level of light that comes from the sun. That triggers serotonin to be produced, to tell the brain to unsuppress everything, bowel and bladder, nutrition, appetite, uh, to get you into the right place so that the rest of your day is maximized to its full potential so you don't react to the negatives and the positives. You react to them in a good, balanced way visualization, mindset, mindfulness, all of these things that, you know, mental resilience. It's all about just make sure that at the start of your day, you either replicate sunrise or you live outside. And the, the key things that have been going on recently is while we talk about all this, shut your tech down, blue lights, bad view just before pre-sleep, in the morning, whether you're an AM or a PM, you need to be exposed to daylight. And daylight, if you just have a little light meter on your phone, you will realize that outside, it could be 70, 80,000 lux. 
50, 60,000 lux on a cloudy or even sunny day. And lux is the way you measure the strength of light. When inside, whether you're under bright lights, in your bathroom, in your bedroom, in your office, traveling to work, it is so much more diminished. It could be hundreds of lux at best. So as we've invented light and daylight saving time and technology, we've moved into an area where we are only exposed to hundreds of lux, where outside it's many thousands of lux. I think that is one of the big shifts, is the how we start our day. What, you know, we all like plugging our phones into the wall to recharge them so we can keep doing what we do. What we really need to do is plug ourselves in to life because that is going to help us with everything else that we do. Yeah, for sure. And and I think as well that that's something I've personally been suffering with a lot myself lately and I was actually really excited to ask you this question is my quality of sleep has just been so so poor i'm waking up a number of times during the middle of the night and and it made me think of you because i know in your book you said this point which i'd really like to press you on where you said that the quality of your sleep is essentially determined by what you do from the moment of waking you know so i'm wondering is there anything that i could personally do differently is is there a case of getting more light in the morning I think it is, Joseph. It's, um, you know, from a non-academic perspective, from non-clinical uh, clinical aspect, you know, when you write a book, you just think the world's going to, you know, close down all around you. But I was always fascinated, completely fascinated by pre-sleep, things we do, just before we go to bed that will help us sleep. Shut your tent down, don't eat too late, 16 to 18 degrees, get your eight hours. And, and through all of my career, none of that made sense, even with professionals and academics. So I think the point is, we are not in control of sleep.
just like you would behind the wheel of a car on a motorway. Why would you ask your brain to put you to sleep? We all know this. There's banners everywhere on the motorways. There's research everywhere that actually human beings can fall asleep behind the wheel of a car. That is absolutely ridiculous. But what it tells you is, is when you present yourself to sleep, you're out of control. So that's why I was always fascinated by what you do from the point of wake every 90 minutes throughout the day using this polyphasic approach which was so natural to us before the electric light bulb came along in a multiphasic, triphasic, biphasic way is to actually get your recovery throughout any 24 hour period and don't focus on the methylate hours because if you just try and sleep in one block when you've done nothing throughout the day to help your brain your brain's not going to do it it's not going to give you what you want so it's about helping that natural process from the minute you wake up so when you do present yourself to go to sleep your brain will give you the best it possibly can yeah that's that's really interesting and this was you know something which we were definitely going to get onto was i mean you have this idea I believe you call it the R90 technique, where you break sleep down into 90-minute blocks, which I believe is replicative of the REM cycle. Uh, could you talk about this, please? Well, a long time ago, uh, my one of my first clients, I fell into it by accident, happened to be in football. And if you ask any group of people how many hours they try and get to sleep, they'll say eight. But that's about as far as they go. They don't know why. So I knew from past experience working with clinical professors that in a clinical environment, they would look at a 90-minute period. And they'd look at all the phases and stages of sleep. Then they'd look at the next 90 minutes. Some would look at 60 but the majority would look at 90. So five 90-minute cycles equals 7.5 hours. Now we've just redefined what eight means. It's five cycles. So once you have a grasp of, rather than talking about you wake up in the morning, go throughout your day, and then there's only so many hours left before you have to go to sleep again, but what about nurses? What about surgeons? What about pilots? What about sports people who get home at 3 o'clock in the morning? and have to play games at different times and events and Olympic athletes and everything else. And so, well, maybe if we use this concept, and in those early days, don't laugh, Joseph, the length of a football game was 90 minutes. In the middle of it, there was a break. And so it had some resonance with elite sports in those days with football to think about 90-minute cycles with breaks, time to recharge, rethink, refuel, re-energize, go again. And it sort of put a, a nice emphasis on it. And it's certainly not new. I didn't come up with the idea. You know, it's been in the clinical environment for many years, but I was just sitting tired of people just going, get your eight hours. Mm. Well, most of the population that everybody ever met, including me doing my job, couldn't even try and achieve that. It was too random, it was too... So I just ignored it. But maybe 
if you use the 90 minute cycle like they do in clinics to think about phases and stages and rhythms and harmonies and patterns if I just chop my day up into 90 minute periods I've got some timings I've got my natural chronotype wait time I've got my occupational wait time I've got little opportunities to do CRPs or naps as they used to call them midday, early evening I know how to deal with when I go to sleep and when I wake, trying to keep it in a rhythm and a pattern, so I'm not just doing it randomly. And that all seemed to make sense. And over the years, it's made even more sense, and that's why it's called the R90 technique, because at the core of the seven key sleep recovery indicators, as I call them, those little step changes that can be marginal gains, or it could be a paradigm shift in your approach to everyday recovery. It was just a way to subconsciously know how I deal with my seven days in front of me, with my everyday approach. And as long as I get my 35 cycles in seven days, my five a day, the most important five a day, then everything I eat, everything I drink, everything I visualize, everything I have to cope with will be put in the right place and my brain and my body will deal with it the right way and make me a better person and reveal somebody that I don't know but I do know now <laughs> yeah that's amazing and something which which I find really fascinating as well is is this concept you talk about in your in the book, in your uh, in your seven key principles, that you say that we can essentially manipulate our day by knowing our chronotype. So, as you said earlier, you know, if if I'm say an early riser, then maybe, you know, I know when to be at my best, which which in the day would be slightly earlier than an owl. So we, I'm just wondering. So, is this a concept which you think that people should apply? So, so if if I'm a, an owl, should I try to be at my best at a different time of the day as opposed to a lark? Uh, I think as you open this whole conversation up, we're, we're just starting to educate the process. And it's great that we're having these podcasts with people like you, Joseph, and we can just start the thought process. But it is, it's, it's not about lying. There's a little bit of white lies in there. But if I'm a PM chronotype and you're asking me to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and get to work for 8, you're asking me to do things in the morning and you're also telling me to get my homework in by 6 o'clock at night. If I understand this, then maybe I can try and put some things in place to protect myself. Because actually, I would like to be able to do this at a different time of day. You can't change the way the world is, but you can protect yourself from the outside influences. Maybe a good or bad example is if my best friend is a piano and I'm an AM, I will ask my best friend to meet me at the gym at six o'clock in the morning. I'm actually not helping my best friend 
by dragging them to the gym. But we do these things, don't we? Mm. So if we just have a little conversation, said so you're a PM, I'm an AM. What's the best time for us to both go and enjoy going to the gym and exercising, cardiovascular, all that sort of stuff? What's the best time to go and watch a film? What's the best time to chill out? What's the best time to just engage all of us? Yeah? And then suddenly, that's why this chronotype comes out. is because our friends, our families, our parents, they're all challenging us to do things when we're not quite happy. So some of the most high-profile athletes on this planet, high achievers, you, Joseph, is because suddenly when you realise it, is if you get Nick, who's an AMA, to do the accounts of this business in the morning, two plus two equals four. <laughs> if you ask Nick, the accountant of this business, who's an AMA, to do those accounts at seven o'clock at night, two plus two equals four, or does it, is the question. And I think that's what we're all trying to evaluate, is how we can be ourselves, do things at the right times, understand these processes, and if you're a person who's in an organization right now, doing your job, earning your salary, with the pressures of 24-7, you can walk in there tomorrow and go, ah, the boss is an AMA. Spotted. His close colleagues are AMAs. Spotted. And you may not be able to change that, but you can damn sure protect yourself from what they're doing to you so you can take advantage of it and make sure you're successful. Yeah, I think this is an absolutely fascinating concept. And when you talk about it, it just seems like such common sense. But but it just seems like it's just not being applied anywhere. I, you know, I didn't go to, you know, I, I was quite good at school, but I liked sports. Um, I've been studying and sleep for most of my life, but I haven't got a degree in it. I haven't got a, a qualification in it. You know, some would think I'm making it up. But the reality is there's been a lot of businesses and a lot of teams and a lot of organisations. You know, there's, you know, when you, who do you choose? to take the penalty tonight Liverpool versus Barcelona it'll go to extra time maybe you know whether you like football or not it's life mm. there's a certain point in time when you just go who's going to make that choice and it's 10 o'clock at night we're in Spain daylight saving time all this sort of stuff time zone da 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 who's going to take that penalty Who's going to take that free kick in the 93rd minute, in the 94th minute, in the 95th minute? Do you choose Nick or Joey? They're both highly successful people. They can take penalties for fun. But if you're in the world of protecting yourself to, you want to make a change, you want to be different, 
sometimes it's not all about money. Sometimes it's not all about, you know, Manchester City's got loads of money, Liverpool's got loads of money, this Olympic Authority's got loads of money, that company's got loads of money. Though. Sometimes it might just boil down to, Joseph, you take this one. Because it's your time of day. It might be very marginal. It might be very marginal, but, you know, we engage in relationships without too much thought. You know, my lifetime on this planet has seen people getting married and staying together for the rest of their lives. I've seen male and male, female and female, adopting children, having children, families, marriage, this, that. I've seen divorce everywhere. I just think that uh, where we're going, we need to take far more consideration of these things because they have far more impact on us than we've ever really thought about, ever really thought about. So whether you want to, you know, win a Champions League semi-final or whether you just want to get to school on time and be at your best to do an exam, or to not let this 24-7 or the next 5G world that's just around the corner come down and implode all over you and you're going to take your life or get an addictive behaviour. Wherever you sit, it's just a generation where we just need to take notice of this stuff. And it, it is, as you say, it's really almost... We know it, don't we? I think first somebody said to me the other day, I read your book and um, I actually realised I know most of that stuff, which confused me. Because if I know most of that stuff, why am I not doing it? Hmm. I wonder, just, just in this whole process that we're talking about, how important is a... Con- is a consistent waking up time. Joseph asked the sun. You know, it's this concept, you know, we're, we're talking about AI and robots and this and that, and that, and that. You know, brains, you're called Joseph, but I could call you anything. Susan, Samantha, Arthur, Ed Sheeran, whatever <laughs> I can call you. It's the brain and bodily function. The other thing is, that's not changed at all, is the sun going around our planet. And we have David Attenborough, we have global warming, we have plastics, we have this and that. That process ain't changing. And we're all aware of this. So, maybe the answer to how humans are going to survive this is just to engage themselves with a very natural process that will not change and with the knowledge of that we might survive that was deep and meaningful wasn't it oh, but it is it's sort of you know it's um, are the answers in technology are the answers in our devices are the answers in our everyday approach to you know watching the world and all its complexities. The reality is the sun goes around our planet 
Our planet is part of something. We are just human beings with bodily functions that react to those things. And the quicker we get back to putting sleep at the front of those human well-being pillars, the quicker we do that and stop talking about sleep, talking about human, you know, human recovery, then maybe we'll have those answers right in front of us if we can do it quick enough. So, so just thinking about your the the R ninety technique. So, so if I'm when I'm setting my alarm at night, should I should I think about it in terms of say ninety minute blocks? So, if I'm going to sleep at ten, should I think should I think okay, I'm going to need say five to six ninety minute cycles. So five cycles is is uh seven and a half hours of sleep. So then, should I set my alarm then for six thirty? Is that how I should do it? these conversations I absolutely love them um, but we have to just remember we're just starting on this world I've been doing it for a long time but we're starting but the principle is the sun will rise tomorrow have you checked what time the sun will rise tomorrow no no okay so this is where we are hmm. we're right at the start of the process so I will look at light and I know how powerful that is outside. So I haven't shut my curtains or blinds yet mm. because I'm watching the sunrise because of where I live. And as soon as, it gets, as soon as it gets to a point where it's going to wake me earlier than when I want to, I will shut the curtains and blinds. But at the moment, they're still open because I want that natural stuff out there that doesn't cost me anything that will stimulate my day beyond belief, make me the best person beyond belief, so I don't shut my curtains. This, once you find, you know, for me, it's 6.30. You know, I like on the hour, off the hour, because I don't have to think about it, Joseph. Mm. You know, I don't want routines and people telling me what to do. I just, like, I know that 6.30 is my time. You know, I'll wake at 10 to 6, 5 past 6, 10 past 6, 20 past 6. But I very rarely wander beyond half past 6. The alarm's there just because I'm not in control. It's my brain. So sometimes my brain might do it. It might put me asleep down the wood of a curve. You know, so I don't know. So I'm just trying to do as much as I can to give it a chance to give me what I want. I know about rhythms and patterns and harmony. I know the sun doesn't change its patterns. So if I've got a consistent wait time, an everyday consistent wait time, I'm saying hello to the sun. I'm helping my brain. If I work back in 90 minute cycles, then at least I've got some consistency. So if somebody asks me to be somewhere on a plane or a whatever, it's either six thirty, or it's five o'clock, or it's three thirty, because I've chopped my day up into ninety minutes. Five. I don't even have to think about it. If something happens, because I'm not in control of my day, when I wake up in the morning, I do my first ninety-minute cycle, and I become a sleep coach. I'm thinking about a little ninety. Yeah, every ninety minutes, just take a little distracting break, look at something nice, step outside, anything, 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 just to help the brain. I might have a little CRP midday because of 
the previous day, but I've always got my early evening CRP. It's just, I'm not even trying to go to sleep. I'm just going, hey, brain, let's go and sit by the river. It's mindfulness. It's mindset. It's meditation. It's all those things wrapped up. And the reason why a consistent wait time, whether it's driven by your occupation or your chronotype, because the sun goes around up on it every day and doesn't have all these lifestyle choices, doesn't have all these dynamics around it. So if I can keep in a rhythm and a pattern and a harmony in the morning, throughout the day, then maybe my brain and the sun and my planet will give me the best it will possibly can. There's so many variables, some are negative, some are positive, some are challenging, some are not. But I, as long as I keep in that lovely rhythm, two or three weeks ago, I went camping with my grandchildren. We traveled off, and we got a tent, a piece of nylon, between me and the rest of the world. Not a house, not an apartment, no security, no nothing. We're sleeping on the floor, basically. Spend most of our time outside. Connectivity is difficult. Mm. We had the best week of our lives. Yeah. We had fun. We made each other laugh. We talked about stuff. We put things in contact. Mm. Not rocket science, is it, Joe? No, definitely not. I I think something which um, which I've been really interested about, you know, and and I'd really like to talk about is the is the quality of sleep. So I know that this is a question which has been requested, and it's the things which we do throughout the day, and things like, like say caffeinating ourselves with say coffee. You know, what things throughout the day should we do or even avoid for that good quality night's sleep? How many deep and meaningful questions are you going to ask? <laughs> uh, I, think, um, I think the word is intrusive. Um, we've developed 24-7. We've developed technology. We've developed tracking. Uh, evaluating um, and there's more to come but sometimes just like sitting by a river and looking at the sky and people watching suddenly the world it's not that bad Joseph it's just the way it is you know let's go back and have another go mm. um, I think from the point of view of exercise and that challenge of it. If you take, if you've got a 60 minute intensive exercise routine and you take 10 minutes out for yourself in the training, you know, in the changing room, just mindset yourself up, just take that little moment, just give your brain a chance. You'll get much better data. The challenge is to try and get people to put the emphasis on recovery. They're not doing nothing. They're not 
losing out. They're just recharging themselves to re reveal their true self so they can achieve even more. And I was just watching a documentary on the train home tonight. And human beings are challenging themselves like mad. And I think this whole concept of eight hours a night in one block has never really washed for a past population before the electric light. It doesn't wash in today's world. And I would love to think that our pilots, our surgeons, our Amazon workers, our drone operators, our military, um, you know, sorting out everything in this planet is going to be completely focused on taking time out to replenish and help your brain to do what it wants to do naturally. If you fill it with crap, that's the only thing that's going to come out of the back. You mentioned um, something which really caught my attention about the uh, CRP, you called it, a controlled recovery period. I was just wondering, is there a best time of the day to do this? Um, if you just tap it in your browser, yes, there is. Mm. Um, if you try and take a single-handed round the world trailer for three months at sea on their own. They can't even think about eight hours. They think about, you know, 30, 26 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minute blocks every six or seven hours. If you're trying to row across the Atlantic, which somebody has just done, uh, they're not thinking eight hours a day. So I think you just, just look in front of you. You see those challenges. You clearly identify with your natural chronotype. When is the best time for you to be doing certain things? And when the best time is not? But how can you maximize that? You think of every 24 hours, every 48 hours, every seven days of the week, every three hundred and sixty-five right days of the year. And when you get to that particular point, Joseph, you have a realization that the quality of your sleep is there's no argument about eight hours, thirty percent of every twenty-four. The human being needs to be in this. There's bears, there's animals around the planet who hibernate and does this. You've got northern, southern hemisphere, different type of cultures. In Japan, you just chuck a little thing out on the floor and sleep on it. But in other parts of the world, you want to have a space invader mattress with so many springs. You have a one-fits-all mattress here and all that. Just get a life. Yeah. You're a human being who can sleep on anything. Anywhere, anytime, in any way. As long as you connect your brain and your bodily functions with a natural process that will never ever change called the sun mm. rising and setting yeah. your relationship with light and dark when you get into that place honestly Joseph 
it's a paradigm shift. It's amazing. I wonder, see, because something which I think I've really improved and it definitely had an impact on the quality of my sleep was my uh, my nightly routine before bed where I cut out the... I cut out browsing at my phone. I started reading preferably some fiction but, but I, I don't really read much of it so, so I'll say I'll read some sort of script and then I'll do some sort of like mindfulness practice and and I found that that greatly improved the quality of my sleep so I wonder what, what you would advise for say a pre uh, a pre sleep routine well what you look at what you do what you expose yourself to in the first 90 minutes of your day is going to impact on everything you do. So I have to refer back to that. Sorry, Joseph. But if at the end of the day, if you've broken your day up into 90 minute cycles, there's, you know, 6.30 wake, I've got 5 o'clock, 3.30, 2 a.m., 12.30, 11 a.m., I can just choose. I'm going to get five cycles, three cycles, two cycles. I don't worry about that. I need my consistent weight. I can balance that with CRP, midday, and early. So I always focus on helping my brain. So priestly, you know, meditation, mindfulness, this, lying in a bath with essential oils, and drifting away, and da 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 da. It can't be too late. All I want to do, if I choose the time, three cycles, four cycles, five cycles, I just want to chill out. I just want to expose myself to good visualization. Sometimes sounds can be aggressive or they can be calming. If you're brought up in the city and you live with city noise all the time, that can be a good thing. I want to always concentrate on this is a natural process. I take my grandkids camping, it's fine. You know, it's cool. We're putting things in place. Mm. So the quality, nobody is arguing with the academics around the world that say we need 30-odd percent of every 24 hours in some sort of sleep situation like 8 out of 24 nobody's arguing that but I think how you get your 8 is focused on helping your brain mm. to when you get to the point of saying I would like a little midday nap what if I do this and do that and look at that huh? it'll work and an evening nap if I do this and do that it'll work if I want to sleep for four 90-minute cycles, five 90-minute cycles, whatever it is at night. If I've been doing these little things throughout the day, my brain will do it for me. Cool. Good place to be. So the quality versus quantity doesn't really work in this area, but it's generating the quality from the point of wake to when you next present yourself to sleep, whether you're a surgeon, a night shift worker, thinking politically is most definitely the way forward. Mm. 
for sure. How big of an impact do you think? I mean, you've mentioned it a few times. You know the 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 mobile phones, the blue lights. How big of an impact do you think that they play on sleep? I, I hear it all, every day, you know, shut your tech down. Blue lights really important. You know what I don't understand is why, where where are we actually looking at light? Where's the education of light? And so you sort of shut your tech down. Blue light's bad for you. Blue light's great. It's amazing. It stimulates serotonin. It makes all these bodily functions. Darkness creates this melatonin which kills us down and stuff like that. So what's this sort of stuff going on? I don't understand it. What I do know is if I put a little light meter on my phone called Lux Light Meter, and this is a very simplistic way of looking at it, just because we look at it far more technically. But if I put a little Lux meter on my phone and it measures the quality of light, it shows me that indoors, under bright lights, in the bathroom, brushing my teeth, in my office, everywhere else, we're living in 100 lux. Lux is the way you measure light. We're living in 100 lux, which means our brains are like half lit up. When actually, when I step outside, it's 70,000 lux. Wow. You know, that light out there is so powerful. It triggers so many things that makes us feel good and bad and this and that. And I don't want to go back to all those years of like, you know, because I have nothing better to do, I spent all my time outside. Yeah, fine. But we're talking about the new generation. So it's nothing about technology. The thing about technology is you get too much information. Too much information. You've got to find your own space. You know, what you're trying to achieve, your objectives, your life, what you believe in. Whether you're going to change the world, whether you're going to do this and do that. You have to find your own space and use this wonderful natural tool to your advantage. If you don't, then you're going to be listening to people who are going to tell you to do things that are just nonsense. I had an amazing game. I'm nearly 60 years old. But I have a friend in New Zealand, a friend in New York, and a friend in Argentina. And we were gaming last night at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Because that's our world. We love gaming. It's amazing. It's like playing football in the park. It's like being outside and going into the woods. This is our world. We love gaming. It's amazing. So we can do it for free. Yeah. All we have to deal with the time zones. And that's absolutely fine because it's not costing us anything. It's all around great fun. In the middle of the night, one of them's morning, I'm nighttime, he's afternoon, da da da. But we're having great fun. So the quality of your sleep. It's not about eight hours just at night. It's about what you do from the point of wake. What are the challenges in your life? How you can deal with the concept of we're a time zone friendly place now and it's going to get even better. 
and just enjoy it. Embrace it. And don't sit on the fat. Yeah. I'm not interested in the slightest that I'm going to get dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, obesity, type 2 no, no, I'm not interested in that. I'm just interested in living my life to its fullest right now. And if that means I can use my chronotype, I can advise my friends, I can sleep polyphasically. The fact is, probably Joseph, mm. there's no research to say this doesn't work. Because mm. yeah. maybe it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a bit of a rant. I'm very sorry. Well, oh, see, we, we 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 absolutely love it. You know, um, what? Just just another uh, listener question by you. We'll just try to just try to get through as, as as much as we can. We appreciate your time so much. One thing um, which we've been uh, like asked a lot, definitely to ask you was about the environment, the sleep environment. So in the book, you call this the recovery room. So. Yeah. I've noticed just personally in my own life that when my room is very, very clean, you know, to the point of OCD levels, that I sleep a lot, lot better. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is a coincidence. So what what do you think that the, as you call it, the recovery room should consist of? Humans are sleeping all over our planet. Mm. Yes. Yeah. In minus 50 to plus 40, 50. You know, if I'm outside, maybe the air is better. Smog, pollution, temperature. So I think all it is you're trying to ask me is we spend too much time thinking about our own environments, depending on where we are in the world. So we have a fantastic mattress. We have air conditioning. We have this. The fact is, you can sleep anywhere, Joseph. Mm. Anywhere. Amazing views on the top of Everest in the Himalayas. Amazing views. How do you get there? You didn't have a fantastic mattress. You didn't have a pillow. You didn't have this. You didn't have that. You didn't have that. Human beings are brilliant. Mm. So I think you just create. Uh, a mindset that if you get this right and you choose the right steps whether it's the arm anti-technique or listening to me it doesn't matter but uh, I know for a fact if you put the right things in place me and my grandson who's seven years old we will go outside pitch a tent sleep on the floor, be engaged with those circadian rhythms, and we will have an amazing time, and not once did my son, my grandson, ask Alaska for a tune. Not once. But inside, my seven-year-old grandson will be going, Alexa, can you get me a McDonald's? Deliver it now. <laughs> yeah, he's talking to like We turn the lights off and everything else. But me and my seven-year-old grandson outside, in a sense, on the floor, we will have 
an amazing time. We will talk about stuff. He will challenge me. He will ask me about, you know, David Attenborough says the world's going to end. And I just say, well, what are you going to do about it, pal? Mm. And he will go off and do it because they're engaged in a natural process. They're engaged with it because their brains are lit up. My parents didn't need to tell me to go outside to enjoy the world. There was fuck all else to do. (laughs) Just thinking in terms of, say, of actual sleep, have you found there to be a best position to sleep in? Not want to. Have to. 
I think uh, you know this has been such a such a fantastic podcast. I think uh, you know I've definitely learned a lot in in terms of um, that ninety minute uh, window. I think that's that's a really um, you know the ninety minute the sunlight at the start of the day. They've been really impactful concepts. You know the the sleeping on the on the fetal side with your non dominant arm. These are all very practical things which our audience can take away. So just one of the last questions which we have, we ask all of our guests this, is if you could distill a message of all the lessons that you've learned in your life, what would it be? Stop worrying about reveal yourself. It's it's um it is really simple. The sun goes around our planet, we have no choice about that, Joseph. We have a brain and key bodily functions that are completely synchronized to that. Just grab that one and suddenly you'll have a paradigm shift. Of course I'm worried about dementia and Alzheimer's and the long-term stuff about my life. But I just want to embrace right now where I am. What am I trying to do? Where am I trying to go? What am I eating? What am I drinking? What choices am I making? And the fundamental thing is, is just get outside. Get outside and be a human being. And then things will start to put themselves in perspective. And hopefully, and hopefully, we'll have a solution to uh, the demons of this planet and where are we going to go so my top tip is tap circadian rhythms into your browser identify your chronotypes because it means so much it means so much to everybody around you your partners, your children and just see if you'll find ways to maximize it and stop and minimizing those outside influences or them. And don't focus on waking up and then there's only so many hours left. So you do a bit of meditation, a bit of Pilates, a bit of stretching, a bit of supplements, a bit of this, should you take down? completely focused on I don't give a crap what my brain has given me last night I am starting my day in a very positive way light fuel up hydrate bowel and bladder mental challenges da 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 8 o'clock little recovery break CRPs bang 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 and so then you're getting a complete harmony and now you'll be smashing it Nick, where can our where can our audience find you on social media? Uh, well, obviously on your podcast, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just you know, I hope nobody sort of listens to this and thinks, oh, nah, nah, nah. but you know, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, SportsLeapCoach.com. Um, we go to personal trainers. We go to our GPs, 
we go to Pilates classes, we go to yoga classes, we go to mindset classes, we have counsellors, we have psychologists, we have mindset people. You know, the first place you should go is to talk to somebody about sleep. Because once you've done it, once, the rest of your life will pan in front of you like those. You will stop investing in crap diets this, diets that, personal trainers, physical this, uh, 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 uh. you just stop it, just put your sleep, don't, um, just because nobody goes to a sleep coach, whether it's me or anybody else, it doesn't matter, Matthew Walker, anybody, 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 just realise that in today's world, you need to talk to somebody who knows about this stuff. Put it in context. Make it real. You'll do it once and once only. You will not have to do it again. It's not a long-term subscription to this and that or Gwyneth Paltrow diet or Kardashian this. to start educating itself about sleep. And anybody who makes that step is going to win gold medals. They're not going to commit suicide. They're not going to burn out. They're not going to overdose. They're not going to get addicted behaviors. They're not going to do anything. It's just so simple, Joseph. Yeah, amazing. Nick, we can't thank you enough for, for, for all the time and all the content. You know, we'll link to your social media below and your, your, there'll be a link to, to your booking and all your other links. So thank you so much for coming on the show.